we're going, what we're going to do together, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come forward right now. Um, I've got something that's been on my heart all day to pray for people tonight. Uh, and I feel great compassion um, about this uh, from the Holy Spirit, really. It's, I want to pray, and I know there'll be a number here, but I believe it's, not, it's good to pray for these things, but it, I believe it's from God. I, w- I want us to pray for people tonight that are in financial difficulty, I mean real financial difficulty and debt. I want to pray for people that really need a job situation. You either need a job or you need a new job or something has to happen in that job, okay? And the third people is uh, uh, people and your accommodation is just, it's just not right. I don't know what that might mean, but accommodation is all over the place. Whether you need new accommodation, whether you need a mortgage, whether whatever it might be. So we've got deep financial issues, difficulties. We've got people that need a job situation changed and we've got accommodation needs now you don't you, you don't have to you can share as much or as little with the person praying with you you understand what I'm saying you can just say oh it's job difficulties or or you could just say oh it's just financial difficulties no one's gonna ask you impertinent personal questions but what we're going to do is we're going to sing some songs of faith while this takes place and you can come out come down from the balcony we'll wait for you and I really believe that as the ministry team lay hands on you it's not just that we're praying for you because we, we could do this anytime and it's good to do it anytime I believe God wants to so this is God this isn't it's a good thing to do but God is on this all right God is on this he's meet he wants to meet people's needs tonight so we're, we're gonna carry on worshiping for a while and wherever you are if you fit into those categories come we're going to pray the prayer of faith with you here at the front god is in this let, let let's go yeah father 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 Just while we're finishing praying for people here at the front, is there anybody in the building today and you're suffering from, I don't know what it, the medical condition would be, but it, you've got lumps in the neck. Lumps, it causes lumps in the neck. Is there anybody here that's suffering from that condition? You have got some lumps in the neck, upstairs, downstairs. Some of you are feeling just in case. <laughs> no, you'd know about it, yeah? Come down, come down. If that's you, come up on the platform. We're going to pray for you. Hallelujah. Come up on the platform if that describes your condition. We're going to pray for you for healing. platform Brett if that's you just anyone else yeah are you coming up for this 
Yeah. Okay. Do, do you know what it is, Brett? No, I'm not sure. I think they're like um, just over the years, sort of sweat glands clog up. So it becomes sort of like, I think they're just like cysty sort of things. I've had a couple cut out. I had one cut out of my eye like years ago, but yeah, just around on my neck, just little lumps. Just come forward a bit. God's all over you. God is all over you. Fill him, Holy Spirit. Touch Brett's life right now with the power of God that he craves for your glory. Pour out upon him a fresh dose of fire from heaven. Fire from heaven. Some said it thundered, and you shall thunder for me, says the Lord. Some said it thundered, and you shall thunder for me, says the Lord. Fresh fire, Lord. Speak a word to this condition in the name of Jesus Christ. Every lump in the name of Jesus, go in Jesus' name. We release the healing power of God into this neck on this person, Father. Touch Brett with healing power as he is, as healing has gone through his hands. Now, may healing come into his throat, neck region, Jesus send your healing power your anointing Father heal him every lump go in Jesus name Jesus name who's next who's is any yeah come come what, what's your situation remember last time you prayed for thyroid thyroid yeah it's clear up now it's clearer when we prayed, it got better. No, when it was okay, it's okay. They found out from the blood there's nothing wrong with my thyroid. Now they're kind of plum, plums. To say it's attached to the thyroid, and uh, they want to remove it. Yeah. Where is it? Just cut my eye In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I speak to this lump in the name. And by the power of the Almighty God, I speak to you, be healed. I speak to this lump, be removed in the name of Jesus Christ. And I ask you, Father, for the healing power, the miracle power, to, right now in the name of Jesus, the power of God. Jesus, send power from heaven, Lord. We don't want an operation if you can heal it beforehand. And, you brought this word of knowledge so I pray this thing will go in the name of Jesus what's, what's your situation? I have a thyroid gland um, blocking my windpipe how long have you been? a few months what's your first name? Yeah, me. We believe God that the word of not when God speaks words of knowledge like conditions, we believe He's going to do something. Yeah, me. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to this thyroid situation. Command it to come under control of the Creator and Savior. In the name of Jesus, thyroid be healed. Work according to the Maker's instructions. In Jesus' name.
Father, we ask together that you'll release healing power right now into this neck. A total healing we're asking for, Father. Total healing. We release that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Is there any... Bring them both if if the gentleman's there as well. Hi. What's what's the... This is thyroid. Repeated. Thyroid again, yeah. Father, Father, in the name of... Yeah, I feel it. Lord, we speak to this lump, this thyroid condition in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, leave her. In Jesus' name. God... God, Jesus, be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your power come upon her right now in Jesus' name. Just let the healing. Standing in for your wife, what's her name? And what's her problem? Underactive. Her name's Kenya and she has an underact. We're all going to pray together for, what's your name? We're going to pray for Matthew's wife, Kenya. Are you ready? Father, we, we believe God for Kenya. Just check out, see if anything's changed yet. Um, Lord, we believe God for Kenya. She's not here, but you are here and where she is. So, Father, we lift up Kenya to you and her thyroid condition. And we pray, Father, that you will pour out your healing power on Kenya right now. That this problem will go and that she will be fully in health and healed. Father, release now, we pray, a charge of your healing power into Kenya. Kenya's throat thyroid situation and we agree together you said when two or three believe together in your name and there's more than two or three here tonight father but we agree together the congregation tonight believes together in Kensington Temple for Kenya her life we believe God for her health we believe God for healing in her thyroid situation father In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We believe God for that. Amen. You feel feel any change, Brett? Yeah, I feel feel a little bit smaller than... Yeah, I feel a bit smaller. Feel a bit smaller. Well, we believe God that they'll, by tomorrow morning... I felt your fire over when you put your hand. I felt the strong anointing when you put your hand on my neck. I said I felt a strong anointing when you put your hand on my neck. We'll believe tomorrow morning that it'll have gone. It'll have gone in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your seats. Please take your seats. Daniel's coming back. He's going to read a portion of scripture for us this, this evening. Do pay attention because if you were to ask me what portion of scripture do I read most, it's this portion. It's always before me. Well, it's a slight exaggeration, but... I'm always coming back to this scripture, and that's what I want to preach on tonight. Thank you very much, Bruce. Please turn with me on your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 41. Please, Isaiah chapter 41, and we'll be reading from verse 8. What a powerful piece of scripture. Isaiah 41, verse 8. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen. The descendants of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and say to you, you are my friend.
I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incest against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing, as a non-existing thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, you warm Jacob, you men of Israel, I will help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with a sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and beat them small, and make the hills like chaff. You shall wither them, the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them. You shall rejoice in the Lord, and the glory in the Holy One of Israel. The poor and needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in the desolate heights, and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water, and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the acacia tree, the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the cypress tree and the pine and the box tree together, that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this, and the Holy One of Israel has created it. Thank you very much. I've lost my passage. <laughs> Give me a second. Yeah, Isaiah 41, verse 8, that was right to verse 20. That is the portion of Scripture that um, I read most of and meditate most on. So it's, some, it's a portion of scripture very personal to me. But I feel led to share it with you because I think, uh, and I, I mean, we could do, I could do a whole series on this passage. And I don't even really intend so much to preach tonight, maybe I'll end up preaching, as to walk you through some of these passages, these thoughts in the passage. Because in this passage of Isaiah 41, I believe that there is a template for what God wants to do in our personal lives, but also what he wants to do in the life of the church at this time. Uh, we know that there are storms coming that will try and batter the church, but God also has a plan for the church to rise up and become everything that it wants to be. And um, this, this verse is great for individuals. Like I said, it's, it's my most meditated passage but it's also sort of got a corporate message to it. And that we see that before transformation can come to the wilderness, transformation has to come to God's people. And so we see that God is first dealing with Jacob, his, his children of Israel, and he is working on them and ministering to them 
And then when he finishes his ministry to them and his deliverance from their enemies, it is now time to change the environment. And God is already doing this in our lives. And I just want to prophetically highlight what this scripture is. Because this scripture is at work in the church today. Whether it realizes or not. This, you know, all <coughs> God's word is living and active. God's word is not just words in a book called the Bible. God's word is alive. When the Holy Spirit comes upon God's word, it is living and it is active. Jesus said, my words are not just words. He said, my words are spirit and life. God's word has power to bring about what it proclaims. It's wonderful. God's word is seed. Just like a seed has everything within it to bring about that great mighty oak tree that, that, that is in its potential. So God's word, when the Holy Spirit comes upon it, has the potential to become everything it promises. And so let's have a look at this process that God is first working on his people. And then he is also going to change the environment. And he starts with the calling. Verse 8 but you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen. The descendants of Abraham, my friend. In that one verse, we have such a wonderful declaration of God's intimate choice of our lives. You know, you're here tonight, you're a Christian, and you, think not, you might not think much of yourself but God has chosen you for intimacy. And so God affirms here, he says, look, I've chosen you. You're like my servant Jacob. You're descendants of Abraham, my friend. God is saying, look, I know I am God, but I'm your friend. Before this whole process of God changing people's lives in order to change the world, it all begins in the fact that Jesus, if you know him and if you believe in him, has become your friend. He's not here to harm you. He's here to help you. He's here to be there for you. If you're willing to follow him and become his disciple, he will be able to bring friendship into your life. And he says, I've taken you from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest region, regions and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you away. Verse 8 and 9, it's God's choice of you as his friend. He wants intimacy, friendship and fellowship. And he has called you. It's funny, you know, here we are today. And those of us that are regulars, those of us that are part of KT. How did God assemble us together in this place? I mean, if it wasn't for God, so many of you, I would never come across you in life. And so many of you would never come across one another. And God has called us together and our stories, we have come from different nations, over 109 at last count, different nationalities and major groups in Kensington Temple. And God has called us from the nations. 
He's called us from different cities. He's called us from radically different backgrounds and education. And it's just so wonderful to meet people that you would never meet if you hadn't got saved. And God knows you. And, and when you think back to where you were before you knew the Lord, I mean, he's called you from a far place. I mean, I think about what I was like before the Lord, and I'm so glad he saved me. I mean, not just because I know I'm going to heaven, because he died for my sins, and I believe in that in my heart, but I'm so glad he saved me from my past life, because I'm discovering who I really am. And when I look at the person that I was before I knew the Lord, that's not me. That wasn't what God had intended me for. That, 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 was, that was me struggling to find out who I was and what my purpose was. But God called me and he called you. And he knew you. And he's called you from a far place spiritually. Because where you were spiritually before you knew the Lord... It was a far off place. And so God wants, to know, wants you to know that before he uses you, he wants you to know he's chosen you. You're not here by your own choice. But you're here by the sovereign will, predestined purpose of God. God is behind it, my friend. God was the one that did it. God saved you. You didn't save yourself. God saved you. He plucked you out. He called you. He chose you. He adopted you. I was going to say, I, remembered, I remember when I was adopted. I don't. I was too young. But I remember about my adoption. When I was three months old, I was adopted by my parents. I was, my, mother, my birth mother was 14 years of age when she gave birth to me and, put me, and I was put up for adoption. And my parents came, and they adopted me. They chose me and adopted me. I didn't know what was going on. I did not choose them, but they chose me. And they called me and brought me. God has chosen you. Maybe here tonight you're a guest or a visitor, and you say, well, I'm not a Christian. Well, here's your chance. Here's your chance to step in tonight into the arms of the Father that brought you here tonight. Some of you have been brought here tonight by God. Oh no, I was, I was brought here by an airplane. Oh, I was brought here by a tube. No, I was brought here by a friend. God brought you here to save you. And some of you are going to get saved tonight. You're going to have that call made effectual. Now this is so important because what God has called you to do you can't do on your own. And he wants you to know that he's with you. He's called you. It's his purpose. You're his servant. Listen to this. He moves on and says, I've chosen you. I have not cast you away. I believe that that, that, that phrase, I have chosen you. I have not cast you away. I believe that is a specific word for somebody here tonight. That you need to know. That he has chosen you. He's not left you. He's not cast you away. He's not pushed you away. He has chosen you. He says, I have chosen you. I have not cast you away. Whatever you've done. However far you've backslid. Whatever you've done. It's not over. 
You say, but I messed up really big. It's not over. He's not cast you away. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. You don't know how I fell. No, I don't know and I don't wish to know. Because I don't need to know. Because God has not cast you off. He has not cast you off. He has chosen you. And then the next thing, I love this phrase. Fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Fear and dismay tries to cripple our spiritual lives. Fear. Fear not, I am with you. Why do we fear? We fear because we wonder if God's with us. You know, will God protect me? Will God be with me? You go into an interview and believe in God that some of you are going to get the right interview for the right jobs after tonight. And you go into that interview, amen. You go into that interview, you don't have to go into that interview with fear. Of course you'd be a bit nervous, that's natural, it's good. You don't have to go, because wherever you are, God is saying, I am with you, don't fear. If you suffer from fears, fears of the future, you know, sometimes a fear of the future. You, you know how sometimes you look at the future and you look at it through the eyes of fear? All the bad things that might happen, all the, all the things that could go wrong, you, you look at it with fear. And God said, I'm with you. Do not fear. But also he says, do not be dismayed. Dismay is a horrible place to be. To be in a state of dismay, to be dismayed, is to be discouraged, is to feel what is the point, is to feel nothing's going to happen it's like dismay is giving up. I can't do it. It won't happen. It's not going to change. It's all over. I can't do it. Fear. And then dismay. God says, don't fear. I'm with you. And he says, don't be dismayed. Why? Because I'm your God. Do you know what that means? It means I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Don't be dismayed. I can help you. I'm your God. I will strengthen you, it says. I will help you. I will uphold you. I won't let you down. I won't. You may be weak, but I will be your strength. I will help you. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. God wants to help you. He wants to hold you. He wants to strengthen you with his righteous right hand. And then look at this. Why, why are they dismayed? Well, they're dismayed because of the enemies. Now, I'm talk, when I'm talking about enemies here, I'm talking about not physical enemies, although you can use that for this, but I'm talking about the enemies of your soul, the enemies of your life. And he says, look, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing. Those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, here it is again, fear not, I will help you. What are these enemies? These enemies, these are the enemies of the soul that hold us back from transforming the environment. This is what happens when things that are in your life, addictions or um, 
or character flaws or things that are in your life that hold you back. You know what I'm talking about? Character issues that hold you back, addictions that hold you back, fears that hold you back, the attacks of the demonic, the enemy against you. These are enemies that try to bind you, keep you in bondage, and just prevent you from rising up to be who you are. If you need freedom from bondage, we're going to pray for you tonight in this service. We're going to pray, pray, pray for that. And these enemies, you see, the, the, what the devil wants, the devil wants us to spend our whole time being pinned down by the enemies of our soul, spiritual, all internal, external. He just, sometimes what the enemy wants to do, he wants us to keep us so busy with the problems of life that we're never free to serve the Lord. And the problems of life, I'm not talking about the trials of life, because those will make us strong, yes? The trials of life and the battles of life, we're coming to that. I'm talking about the problems of life. The things that are not helpful in our lives. The things that don't make us stronger. Trials make you stronger. Tests make you stronger. I'm talking about problems that make you weaker. Problems that hold you back. Problems that keep your attention on them and what's going on. And take you out where you can't do what the Lord's called you to do. These are the true enemies. And as long as the devil can keep us busy with problems on the inside, problems on the outside, then we'll never be able to do what God's called us to do. And God is wanting to bring delivering power back into his church. And I mean real delivering power. Delivering us from ourselves to begin with. We have to cooperate with that. We have to crucify ourselves. We've got to take ourselves to God to be healed. So that we can get rid of these enemies that keep holding us down. What are the enemies of your soul? What are the things on the inside or the outside that constantly plague you? Constantly plague you. Constantly grab your attention. Constantly and just, just, it just, you want to break free. Those are enemies. God wants to remove them. He wants you to know he's called you. He's with you. Don't fear. Don't dismay. I want by the spirit and your cooperation to make you whole. The greatest thing you can be in the world is not a millionaire, but whole. Whole is the greatest thing that you can be. Will you be made whole, Jesus said. God wants you whole so that you can serve him. And he says, fear not, I will help you. Then verse 14. Fear not, you worm, Jacob. I love that phrase. It's not God being rude. It's God say it's 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 when you're like oh but God I can't do it I'm so small I tried it didn't work I can never break through I can never become the person that you want me to be I'm just a worm I can't do it I can't do it and so God says I know you're a worm I know you're a worm because that's that's what you're calling yourself or that's how you see yourself I'm a nobody I'll never make it I'm the one I'm the one that got left behind or I, I, and you don't have to be like you know, at, at the lowest point in society to feel like a worm. Sometimes people that are, are great accomplishers, great stars, actually, the way they think about themselves is horrendous. They have such low self-esteem. 
So if you suffer from low self-esteem and you're going, oh, but you know, I'm this, that, and the other. God says, I know what you think. Fear not, you worm. See, God meets you where you are. He meets you where you are. He doesn't just say, oh, shut up and get on with it. God's not like that. Shut up and get on with it. Snap out of it. God's not like that. God says, I know how you feel about yourself. I'm telling you, don't fear, you worm. I will help you. And so this whole passage so far is full of God being there for us, God choosing us, telling us to fear not three times, telling us not to be dismayed, telling us he wants to strengthen and minister to us, telling us he wants to deal with the enemies that are holding us back and pinning us down, wanting to make us whole, knowing how we feel about ourselves, acknowledging that and saying, I know how you think about yourself. I know what you feel about yourself that nobody knows. I know how you feel about yourself, but I'm telling you, I am here to help you. But he doesn't just want to make us whole for whole's sake. He's got a job. He wants to turn us into something. He says, behold, verse 15, I will make you a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and beat them small and make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind, whirlwind shall, scatter, shall scatter them. This is an amazing picture of a threshing sledge. And what this is going to do, it's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. Now, this is what he wants us to do. He wants us to go, and I'll explain what the wheat is. He wants us to go. These threshing machines with teeth, what they would do is they would take the harvested uh, wheat and they would thresh with this teeth. This would go through the wheat and it would break and it would smash. And eventually what you'd get is, is the, the beautiful bit, the bit that you want, the wheat, would be separated from all the casing and the stuff that you don't want. It's a separation. John the Baptist spoke about this, didn't he? He said that Jesus is coming and that he was coming to thresh. He was coming to winnow. You thresh to break up and to separate the, the wheat from its chaff. But then when you winnow, what do you do? Well, when you winnow, uh, often they would use like wind to do that. What happens is you eventually separate them, okay? You, you, get, you get one and then and you get the other. What is this talking about? Because it says we're going to thresh mountains. Now, these mountains aren't those enemies that are holding us back. These mountains are what, are what God has called us to do. To thresh the mountains with the gospel. The gospel is the threshing machine. And you're the chosen vessel. And God wants to turn you into a gospel threshing machine with sharp teeth. And God wants us to preach the gospel. Because when the gospel is preached, a separation comes. Do you know that? Some get saved and some reject Christ. And thank God there's always, while you're on earth, a chance to receive him. But the gospel brings separation. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. To turn a mother against a son and a sister against her brother. And What does that mean? It means that when the gospel comes, clarity comes. That which is of God is revealed and that which is of the enemy is revealed. And there comes a separation. And God wants to, us to go against the mountains of unbelief. 
and the mountains of sin and to beat them small with the word of God. We, to winnow them, to rejoice in the Lord. So in order to bring what we're about to see now, a change in environment, spiritual environment, a change in our nation, a change in our city, a change in Europe, then what we have to do is we've got to let God... And this, 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 this doesn't like... You don't have to be totally whole before you can do this. This, this is a work in progress, you understand? So God is always healing us, always strengthening us. But, if, but God says, look... You need to know I've chosen you, I'm with you, don't fear, don't be dismayed. Let's deal with the things that are holding you back on the inside, on the outside, because I have got a job for you. You might think you're a worm, but I have a plan to make you something that can smash mountains. Smash demonic mountains, smash mountains of unbelief, and break the power of the enemy over cities and nations. Bring separation, bring clarity. A threshing machine. I'll make you a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains. Let's stop messing around with the enemies of our soul and let's get whole and let's get some breakthrough and let's get out there and let's begin to thresh the mountains of opposition and unbelief. Why? Why is all this? And this is where I'm coming to the last section. Then we're going to open up for prayer on these things. Why, why, am, I, why am I going through this? Because, do you know what? In the end, it's not about us. It's about them. It's not about us. It is about us. But it's about them. It's about serving. Look, verse 17. What is all this about? Oh, a great. Verse 17. The poor and needy seek Water, but there is none. Tongues fail for thirst. Can you imagine for a moment that description of people? People that are in that predicament, even in, in the natural sense. The poor and needy seek water. Have you ever been really, really thirsty? I wonder if you have. I wonder if I have. Because thirst can be relative, can't we? I mean, you go out and play some sport and you come in and you're so thirsty and you drink that water. But I'm talking about being so thirsty that you're going to die. That, that, that if you don't get to some water really quickly, you're going to die. The poor and needy seek water. This is the cry of the lost. Those that have not yet drunk of the living waters that is Jesus. The living waters that come to satisfy, to heal, to strengthen, and to save. This is the lost. They are poor and needy. They're seeking water, but they don't know where to get it. But you know what? We have fountains that we can open up on them. They're parched, the lost. They're dying of thirst. They're eternally dying of an eternal thirst. Think about that. An eternal thirst. An eternal thirst is like something that can never be quenched, isn't it? An eternal thirst. Imagine having an eternal thirst. An eternal thirst that's never quenched. But Jesus said, I can quench you. He said to that woman who had an eternal thirst. She'd been through five men, the woman of Samaria. She was, none of them could meet the thirst of her soul. But then she met a sixth man, 
And his name was Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, if you asked me, I would give you a drink of living water and you would never thirst again. An eternal thirst. Do you know, if you do not drink by faith the living waters of Jesus' message, then when you die, you will die in eternal thirst. You know, the pictures of hell are very powerful, and I believe them. It's interesting, isn't it? People don't like hell. I don't like hell. I wish there wasn't such a place. But God is holy and just. And God has provided a way of salvation for all. He couldn't have given anything better than his own son as the way of salvation. There is no other way to be saved except through faith in Christ. No other religion saves. Jesus saves. Jesus alone. Without Christ, without Christ, you shall die in your sins. And what is that? It will, what, what more can God do than give you his own son? If you don't want his old, own son, what more can he do for you? How much more can he show his love for you? I've, I say this often, but it's true. I have an only son. I have an only son, and I wouldn't give him up for any of you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let my son die for any of you. Why? Because I don't love you enough. I love my son more. So thank God I'm not God. But God loves you so much, he gave his only son. Okay? Now, if you don't believe in Jesus, I'll tell you what's going to happen. When you die, you will die in eternal thirst. And the picture that Jesus gives, it's almost like Jesus, so much of hell is taught by Jesus. Because it's like, I don't want to trust anybody else of such a powerful thing. If you die without Christ, you will die with an eternal thirst. And you, get, you see pictures of hell. Remember Lazarus? And the rich man, in, and, and he's in Hades. And what does he say? He says, isn't there a, just a drop of water to quench this thirst? And the answer is no. No. You are offered. You are offered eternal thirst-quenching life when you are on earth. And she refused it. And so your decision has made an eternal thirst that will never be quenched. In the eternal fires of hell. That's the truth of the gospel. But God has said, I've solved it. Just one moment of faith in Jesus. And your eternal thirst will be quenched. Oh, We've got a lot more of, of drinking to do to deal with the, the mess that our lives have become without him. But as far as eternity is... If you believe in Jesus, not only is your thirst quenched, but for you, the fires of hell are quenched forever. You've passed from death to life. The poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. But I, the Lord, will hear them. I will not forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of valleys. Think of this. Desolation. God's going to open rivers. Think of this, midst of valleys, dry valleys, he's going to let fountains come. In the wilderness, there's going to be a pool and dry land, springs of water. There's going to be fruit and trees and olive trees and God's going to do it. He's going to transform things. And what is this water, these springs? It's the Holy Spirit flowing through the church. 
This is why this is the passage that I read most. This is the passage I keep before me. When I'm desolate, I go to this passage. When I'm fearful, I go to this passage. When I don't think I'm able to do what I think I'm meant to do, I go to this passage. When I'm feeling like a worm, I go to this passage. When I feel that I've let God down and it's all over, I go to this passage. He's not forsaken me. When I need strength and security and fellowship, I go to this passage. When I need to deal with the enemies that come against me, trying to hamstring me in the race for God, I go to this passage. When I see what God wants to transform me to be, a new, freshing sledge, I go to this passage. When I see the mountains that stand against Christ and his gospel and his church in this nation, when I see those mountains and those mountains speak, I go to this passage. And then when I think what it's all about and what God's wanting to do and how God can transform barrenness into oasis, I go to this passage. And when I go to this passage, God strengthens me. Hallelujah. That's why I wanted to share it with you tonight. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you've not received Christ into your life, to have that opportunity right now. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to, you were brought up a Christian, so what? So what? You are brought up a Christian, so what? That means nothing. You get, well, I go to church. So what? I don't care if you go to church or not. When it, have you, are you saved? Have you given your life to Jesus? Are you his friend? Died on the cross. You say, well, how do I know that I'm saved? Well, it's very simple. All, all you have to do, because it's a free gift, is receive it. It's not about works. It's not about, just receive it. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, and rose again, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, if you believe that, you are saved. If you believe it in your heart. So with every head bowed, I'm going to give you an opportunity. All heads bowed in prayer, please. I'm going to give you an opportunity to believe. Say, why are you asking me to do this publicly? Because it shows you're serious. Jesus died publicly. He didn't die in some room somewhere. He died on a cross naked, carrying your shame. But now's your time to quench the eternal thirst. You're one prayer, heartfelt prayer away from knowing that you're saved forever. If you're in this place tonight, you say, yes, I believe I'm not here by accident. God's brought me to this point in my life and this church that I can seal and know that I am going to heaven and that Jesus is my friend, and this passage will become my passage. These scriptures will become mine tonight. I am ready, Bruce. I want you to lift your hand right now. With every head bowed, I'll pray for you. Wherever you are, lift your hand, and I will pray for you. Up in the balcony, just lift your hand, and I will, at the back, yeah. Is anybody in the balcony? You just lift your hand. God sees your hand. And your heart that put your hand up. 
Father, for those whose hands are lifted right now, we pray for them. This decision has sealed their eternal life. And it's the beginning of a journey with God. Pour your spirit upon them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to do right now is for the last 15 minutes, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come forward. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to worship the Lord. If the worship team could get ready. We're going to worship the Lord for the next 15 minutes. Those of you that put your hand up in a few moments, someone's going to just ask you to accompany them to a room. Nothing weird's going to happen. We're just going to give you a New Testament, pray for you and bring you back. If you, if you came with a friend, they can come with you as well. So the next 15 minutes, we're just going to worship the Lord. And whatever you have a need for tonight, come for prayer. Maybe it's some response to something I've been preaching tonight. Maybe there's a sickness. Whatever it is, don't go away without being prayed for if there's something you need to be prayed for. Amen? Let, let's, let's allow God to seal this evening with this time of worship and prayer. Let's all stand together.